0: What famous classic movie are you embarrassed to admit that you haven't watched? Who teases you mercilessly when you say you haven't seen Star Wars? We're going to talk about our most embarrassing movies that we've missed over the years and also horror films. (laughs) Thank you, Paul. You're welcome. what is up my nerds welcome inside pop culture with fanboy and know-it-all i'm jake i'm paul and today you know we've recently been trying to be honest on this podcast
1: yeah for a change for a change. Yeah, because you lie all we the time. We were trying to be
0: really dishonest for most of yeah. our episodes. But then around episode 10, we yeah, decided, we- you know what? Let's let it all let's hang out. Let's just hang
1: it out. Yeah,
0: let's just let everybody know all these embarrassing things about the pop culture stuff that we've really liked that's embarrassing from terrible bands and terrible songs like Mbop that Paul loves. It was
1: a great song. And what are you still talking loves
0: about? or the fact that I used to be a Nickelback fan or that – An Adam Sandler movie comedy made me cry. Thanks a lot. Click. (laughs) But uh, something else has happened as we've been honest on this podcast. We've discovered that both of us have not seen a lot of movies. It's true. And so we had to create a segment called the Backlist Hall of Shame so that we could let you guys know, be real with you. About all the movies we haven't seen that we really probably sh- should have or people think we should have.
1: Yeah, seen. yeah, yeah. And if you haven't seen them, then probably you should have seen some of these movies too. Yep. Except so, the ones with problematic content.
0: Right. Of course, <laughs> when you look at a backlist, and this is, a, this is an important content caveat with Paul A. C. is that there is no movie so important that you should see it if there's problematic content in there that's unhelpful for you as a person, spiritually, emotionally, physically, whatever it is, never force yourself to watch something that you don't feel comfortable watching. Like, that's not good, and that's not what we advocate. So I carefully curated my list that I presented to Paul of movies that I felt okay watching, and I specifically left some off that I have not seen because I did not feel okay exposing myself to whatever things in there didn't sit right with me. So that caveat is important, but... After that, we're gonna, Paul's going to talk about a horror movie called Annabelle Creation. You got it. And that's going to be super freaky, so come be scared with me because I hate horror movies. And we'll also talk about the most least important things. My favorite part of the show. Paul's favorite part of the show, the one he forgets every single time. <laughs> it's not true. He He remembers half the time. But before we get to all of those wonderful things like horror movies and least most impor- most least important things, uh-huh. it's time for the backlist hall of shame. Welcome inside the Backlist Hall of Shame, the place where Paul and I have to (sighs) eat a little bit of crow. As fanboys and know-it-alls of movies in general, there are a lot of movies out there that Paul and I just haven't seen, classics that we might actually – I know I am embarrassed to admit that i haven't seen
1: Uh, it's true it's true there's just so many movies out there it's really hard to see them all and i admit that even though it's my job it's been my job for a long 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 time there's still a lot of movies that i haven't seen
0: yeah so paul and i spent some time outside the show compiling lists we both compiled lists of 30 plus movies
1: (laughs) and it could have gone on for a lot longer it it could
0: have been bigger than that but they're movies that are considered classics, or movies that are you know new kind Very of burgeoning
1: classics that s- cultural zeitgeist or yeah. whatever you know you hear about all the time, and they're referenced, and you have no idea what people are talking about. But you know you
0: should have seen it, but right. you just didn't happen to catch it when it was hot, and then other other movies came around, right? And exactly. You started seeing other movies and. You've tried to get to your Netflix queue, and maybe you've added some of these to your Netflix queue, but there's always something new at Redbox or, or wherever else you get your digital downloads well, these days. Well, yeah,
1: and the ironic thing is, for my job, you know, I watch movies all the time, so the last thing I want to do on the weekend or in the evening or something is watch another movie in some ways. You know, you have other things to do. You want to, I don't know, pick flowers or play baseball. Or, you know do something all american and you just you just don't necessarily want to sit down and watch another movie but because of this segment i am going to be watching even more movies
0: even more movies so what we're going to do is we're going to we've out of these movies we're going to create a list of 10 five from paul's list five from my list that we're going to have to watch And we're going to have to report back to you guys on this movie. How do we think we would have liked it at the time it came out? (laughs) Some of those (laughs) will be easier than others. Maybe I wasn't alive when it came out. How we think it holds up today, whether that's the story, the themes, the graphics, whatever else. And uh, some other ridiculous things that may have occurred to you when you watch this movie. So, you know what? Laugh at us because there's going to be several on the our list that you're going to be like what in the world how come these guys haven't seen this movie.
1: Well, and that's really how this list came about, right? I mean, it seems like every podcast we do Exactly. There's one of us who says, "What? You haven't seen that?" And that's sort of the way they, these conversations go with our with our outside podcast friends, right? Yep. I mean, there's always these these favorite movies that for what reason or another, we just haven't seen. So yeah.
0: I have several friends. I didn't realize this until the last couple of years. I have several friends who have never seen a Star Wars movie.
1: Which is nuts. We need to get them in here and
0: lambast them. And just smack them upside yeah. the head. And to keep it even more interesting, although we're going to be picking five off of each of our individual lists, we each only get to p- be the ones picking two of those from Correct. our list. Correct. So, I'm going to get to pick 2 from my list. Paul's going to get to pick 2 from his list, but then Paul gets to pick 3 from mine and I get to pick 3 from his. So, I get to decide what Paul watches. <laughs> All right. And Paul gets to decide what I watch. And then we'll watch yeah. them together and we'll just talk about Yeah, not together what's going together on.
1: necessarily. Yeah, I mean, we're not going on any dates here. No, no. Yeah. We've, got, we've got families and other commitments But we will be watching them And then we will be reporting back And it'll be fun And then the special thing is We'll
0: post the remaining movies On our blog and on our Facebook page So that you guys can decide The special 11th movie for us Off of one of our lists Did
1: you just make that up right now?
0: I just made that up just now And <laughs> oh it sounds awesome goodness. So you guys get to decide What the special 11th movie oh On the list goodness. will be Take a good so, one. without further ado, Paul, what is your first pick off your backlist to okay. rewatch?
1: My first pick off my backlist, and it's done for a few different reasons. Um, I'll just name the movie first: "To Kill a Mockingbird." To Kill a Mockingbird. It is actually on both of our lists. Neither of us have watched this movie. This was a rare overlap in our list. Yeah, yeah. So Gregory Peck won an Academy Award for it. He is he is considered to be like when they do movie lists. The Gregory Peck character here, Atticus Finch, is, is considered to be one of the all-time greatest movie heroes. I've read the book, really enjoyed the book. The movie is one of those all-time classics that really should be seen by at least people like me. So. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to
0: do it. Yeah, this is one that I felt bad about having to add to my list. It's one of those I think maybe I would have felt more it compelled like to watch of, yeah. it sooner yeah. had I not read the book. But I read the book and so it was like even though I felt bad about not having seen the movie, it wasn't like I wasn't participating in the story. I'd read it. So I'm like, it's OK. I'm yeah. a part of that cultural thing. Now, when did you read the book? I would have read it
1: probably middle school. Middle school. Okay, yeah. you're doing better than I did. I, I read the book for the first time 3 months ago. Oh, I got you beat. Yeah. Well, you're all Except the guy that I was in middle
0: a... school 3 months ago, so.
1: <laughs> it only well, <laughs> well, seems only, that Only like. have
0: you beat by a little bit. <laughs> all right. So the first pick off my backlist is one that will cause several of my friends and family members to cheer and it's Goodwill Hunting. It's Robin Williams and Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, I think. I haven't seen it. No, it is Ben Affleck. I haven't Affleck, seen it yet. Yeah. But, uh, and I, and I kind of only know a little bit about the plot where it's this like undiscovered genius who this professor tries to cultivate and there's lots of cursing in it and there's something about yeah. apples. <laughs> like, how do you like them apples? Yeah. And it's just one of those, my dad really likes this movie and has for years and like refers to it constantly. As he really likes the themes in this movie. Mm. Even people. I have friends, like my friends who haven't seen Star Wars and other. who aren't movie people, that have seen Goodwill Hunting and are really upset with me for not having seen this hmm. movie hmm. so there's something about and these are people kind of in my age demographic this movie I think probably would have been slightly ahead of their time or maybe just as they were coming of age so it touched something yeah. in the younger
1: versions of themselves that I'm hoping I won't have missed you know that's interesting that's a, that's an interesting movie it's a, it's a good movie it's quite a good movie it wouldn't be one that I would necessarily say and maybe it's because I saw it when I was so much older Yeah, you know where it wouldn't be like a must watch like like of all the movies that have ever been made, Goodwill Hunting would not be one that I would say, Oh, you gotta see this.
0: That is interesting because this is at least among my peers, the one that I get the most yeah, no, it's, for I not think, having watched.
1: I think that's really interesting.
0: So there you go. All right, Paul, number
1: two on your backlist. You know, this may be in sort of the same era. I'm not completely sure. Once once we hit 1987, everything sort of gets a little bit hazy for me.
0: But <laughs> it's all the same. My, yeah. The yeah, last the 30 years. The 90s and the 2000s. There's been no
1: changes <laughs> in
0: culture, <laughs> themes. It's yeah, all the same. I'm
1: such a loser. Okay. My movie, my second movie that I have on my list is The Usual Suspects.
0: Ooh. I'm glad you picked this one because I was eyeing it to add to your list.
1: Yeah. No. The Usual Suspects is is something that you hear referenced all all the time, it made a couple of people, at least a couple of people in it, big stars. I mean, this yeah. this has Kevin Spacey in it. It has, yeah, it has a lot of, is that right? Spacey, yep. Yeah. No, it has a lot of really interesting people in it, and I know nothing about it. Good. Nothing about it. I won't it.
0: spoil it for you, though so, because this is a classic spoiler movie.
1: See, that's what I've heard. And, right. And so I am really- But you haven't wanna, heard the spoiler? I haven't heard the that spoiler. That is
0: incredible, because I think this movie is pushing 30. I know. And you haven't heard the spoiler.
1: Well, when anybody talks about it, I just go, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> blah, 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 I'm
0: not listening. Yeah. Like for me, The Sixth Sense. I didn't see it when it came out because I was young enough that my parents weren't really cool with me watching it. And so everybody told me that spoiler. So by the time I watched it, it wasn't really that interesting yeah. for me. And The Usual Suspects is one I'm actually interested to rewatch with you because I have seen it. Mm. Um, and I didn't know the spoiler before watching it and all that. Uh, but I wasn't as madly enthralled with it, even not knowing the spoiler as many people were. So I'm curious to see, I did see that one fairly young. I think I was in high school. Mm -hmm. So maybe it was, maybe it was just, I wasn't ready for it yet. Yeah. Um, Hmm. but I'm, I'm very curious to see. All right. All right. So, uh, second on my list is going way back. So this was going to be one that's going to be hard for me to say what I would have thought at the time. Had I seen it at the time, because I'm picking the Seven Samurai. The Seven Samurai. The Seven Samurai. I mean, this thing tops so many classic movie lists. It is constantly
1: referenced by other movies. Star Wars was was based on it. Magnificent Seven was obviously based on it. A
0: Bug's Life. (laughs) Of course, there's, there's like there was. Like, there have been long articles written about how A Bug's Life is Im- deeply embedded with the influence of Seven Samurai. And I'm a little sad that I haven't seen this one because I've been a fan of samurais and kung fu movies and things like that over the years. And it's just one I've never gotten to. So, number two on my list, its Seven, a long seven man. Samurai. A just long to run? let you
1: know, it's a longman. Yeah, I All think right. it's a push in three, four hours. All right.
0: Bring it on. Bring it on. Okay, so now do I get to pick for you? Paul gets to start off of my list.
1: All right. I am going to go, first of all, with the most egregious lack.
0: I think I know which one it is already. All right, you guess. Is it Schindler's List? No! Okay, Okay. all right.
1: No, that is is one of my all-time favorite movies. I I typically say that's probably the best movie I've ever seen. But this movie is one that every... Not only did I love, but it's really a cultural landmark that every American man, woman, child, dog, cat, hamster needs to see. Okay. Singing in the rain. Singing in the rain. Is that how it goes? <laughs> it was really it. close. <laughs> the notes sort of dipped down toward the end. But yeah, that is that is one movie that... Rain.
0: <laughs> something
1: like that. I would say. I would say everybody needs to watch. What is it? Probably Casablanca, Star Wars, Singing in the Rain. Okay. It is the quintessential Hollywood musical. It is holds up so well, even though it was made back in 1950 something. Um, it's a lot of fun the singing and dancing i don't know whether you're actually a singing song and dance type of guy but i,
0: I mean they're not my favorite movies, movies but i i was um in a high school musical myself were you really i literally quit the basketball team to be a part of fiddler on the roof so you were like in, high in
1: like a disney version of high school musical
0: i i was in a real life version of disney's high school musical I quit the basketball team as a senior in high school. I think yeah. he did it as a junior. Yeah. Um, but and then I, I got a part in the musical and I was I was actually cast for my dance moves. <laughs> I kid you not. I was cast as a as a Russian soldier. I was the friend of the Russian soldier who marries one of the 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 girls. and that was my main role. And so I was in the Russian bar scene where you do the sweet, like, yeah. pepper grinder dance move and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I also had to run and do a costume change to be one of the bottle dancers for the wedding. And then I had to run and do a costume change and come and tear up the wedding. So there you go. High you school know, musical in real life.
1: I so much wish this was a podcast right now because <laughs> we could have you –
0: You could have me do my dance Yes, Yeah, that right would be now. pretty great. It Just, would be
1: maybe frightening but yeah. worth seeing.
0: I, think. I literally had my blouse torn on stage. Your bl- are <laughs> You remember when I used my strength to turn my blouse? <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't me who tore it.
1: <laughs> yeah, whatever. Okay. <laughs>
0: Singing in the rain. Now, uh, just I want to be clear on something here. Is this the movie that Wally watches?
1: No. And what no. does he watch? That is Hello, Dolly.
0: That's right. It's Yeah, now I remember. I knew it yeah. was some famous musical. Yeah. Now, All right, so I know nothing about Singing in the yeah, Rain. Yeah, no, Hello, Dolly is
1: worth for one scene pretty much, and the rest is not... Not that great. Not that great. But Singing in the Rain, is, it is literally great from start <laughs> to finish, and if you don't like it, I'll be The podcast be will be over. We'll no, it the I won't the even be able to talk with you ever again.
0: <laughs> All right. Okay, so that was Paul's first pick for me. All right, my first pick for Paul... Uh, looking over his list, I thought about uh, several of these, but um, he, he already picked The Usual Suspects. That's one I was thinking of. But, uh, Paul, my first one for you is a more recent film
1: Big surprise.
0: And do you want to try to guess which of these more recent films on your list that I'm going to pick for you? You know
1: what? I am going to guess that you are going to pick Mulholland Drive. Nope. Um, hmm,
0: oh, you okay. want to guess again? Uh, no, you don't get to guess again. I, I don't get to
1: guess again. All
0: right. I'm picking this movie for you. This is an interesting movie for me because it's not one of my favorite movies of all time. However, it has arguably one of the best villains of all time. Ooh. It's the only movie. Oh, I know It's what really about one. It's one of the villains that yeah. gives me pause and stops me from saying Heath Ledger is the best villain of all time.
1: All right. So I know what it is now.
0: No Country for Old Men. Yep. Because Anton Chigurh is like the definition of deliciously evil.
1: Deliciously evil.
0: He is somehow so magnetic, even as you are horrified by him, even as you are terrified by the the presence that he has, he is so steady and so calm. Like there is a scene in this movie that is one of my favorite scenes of all time. Um, where he's asking a
1: man to call a coin toss. Yep, that's a it's a famous scene that I've it's, heard about. Yeah. I've of course have not seen it because I have not seen I the movie. haven't seen
0: the movie. So this is this is classic Cohen brothers in that it's a dark movie. Yeah, but Anton Chigurh is an incredibly terrifying villain. Yeah, and for yeah. that reason, I'm adding it to your list. No,
1: I I think that that's probably worthwhile. I I would love to argue with you, but it seems like. Um, you hear so much about it, and in, in the Coen brothers—they sort of blow hot and cold for me. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm I did not like Fargo. Yeah, I, I was not a big fan of Fargo either. But I loved Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Yep. So you'd never know. But never know. I think that this is probably a little bit darker than Oh Brother Where Art Thou.
0: It definitely is, but not as dark as Fargo, in my opinion. All right. So there you go. All right. I still can't get that wood chipper out of my head. Like just the fact that I said that, I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight.
1: Wood chipper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey I, you. I saw that movie. With the wood chipper. <laughs>
0: <You> know, <laughs> or I can't do the Minnesota.
1: Hey, you, with the wood chipper. I
0: don't know. Yeah. And you're even from there, sort of. I'm, no, I'm not. I'm, yeah. I'm Midwest. I'm Well, I'm lower Midwest all the way.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's one of those movies where I watched it before I had watched a lot of movies, and I had just no concept of what Fargo was even supposed to be about. I kept thinking, am I supposed to be laughing here? Am I supposed to be shocked? What is this? What is this? So, speaking of confusing movies... Is this your next pick for me? This is my next pick. All story. right,
0: next pick for me. Number four on my list:
1: two thousand one, A Space Odyssey. I, I kind of thought this one was coming. Yeah, I really it, should have seen this one before. You really should have seen this before. It's a, it's an interesting movie. I think that that um, one of the first really um, serious sci-fi movies, and has some really interesting and still really worthwhile special effects. A very freaky storyline. Um, and it has, all due respect for your No Country for Old Men thing, one of the best villains of all time. Oh, he's so creepy. That's is all. I'm the, gonna say. All right. That's all. So I'm I'll have to say.
0: compare after we watch that one, mm-hmm. and I'll ought to report back on to where I rank him on my list of top villains of all time. All right, 2001: A Space Odyssey. Are there monkeys in that one? Do they like? There are monkeys. Is there in a that scene one. with monkeys? I think yes. I've maybe seen that.
1: Yes, there are monkeys <laughs> hitting things. hitting right. lots of things.
0: All right, my next pick for Paul. Looking at this list, um, you know, given given certain things about me, uh, <laughs> this is this is a hard pick. But it's this movie kind of is the definition when we think of this genre. Mm-hmm. When people talk about hard hitting war movies.
1: Oh. They're talking Saving Private Ryan. Oh Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: And Paul has not seen Saving Private Ryan.
1: Yeah, you're not giving me a lot of old black and white classics, are you? And you're giving me some harsh movies to watch. You're trying to scar me. <laughs> All of these movies would have a lot of content caveats, I would say. Um, and Saving Private Ryan, from what I understand, is one of the most violent m- war movies ever, right?
0: It's hard to watch. It's a, a very realistic, as yeah. from what we've heard. Uh, from survivors who watched the movie it's a very realistic portrayal yeah Um,
1: but it is a movie that I need to see for sure I have even written about the movie and I have not seen it and you've
0: not seen it so I'm just trying to help you be more honest as a writer Paul
1: alrighty and with
0: that Paul what's your final pick for my list
1: alright I noticed on your list that you have a definite lack of one of the best directors of all time
0: Uh, yep I do I do (laughs) And it's sad because I really like his stuff. So yeah. go ahead. Yeah, like, you know, it's interesting because... I don't know which one's
1: coming. Actually, uh, actually, my daughter and wife and son-in-law and I, every Friday night, we gather to watch one of this director's movies. Mm-hmm. So um, we're talking about, of course, Alfred Hitchcock. Yes. And the movie that you are going to watch, Senor... Yes, sir. <laughs> ...is Vertigo. Vertigo. Vertigo is considered to be, it it actually just became a very, very influential uh, cinematic magazine. Rated this the number one movie of all time. Supplanting even Citizen Kane. Uh, Vertigo is, I cannot say it's one of my favorite Hitchcock movies because it's just so weird. But (laughs) it really is just sort of like a Hitchcock fever dream, and it takes some very strange turns. All right. Um and it stars one of my favorite actors, Jimmy Stewart. In a very Jimmy Stewart. Un Jimmy Stewart type of role. <laughs> all
0: right. I'm actually I'm actually really looking forward to that one. All right. Because you know, out of out of all the ones on my own list, the Hitchcock ones were like at the top as far as ones I really kinda wished I had gotten to sooner because I've seen other Hitchcock things and always appreciated them.
1: Yeah, yeah. So Yeah, um, I noticed Rear Window was on your list too. It is. Crazy. I know.
0: Like some of these classics, Rope. Right, that you probably I, haven't seen Rope. I haven't seen Rope. You gotta see Rope. Now I, we're gonna have to keep adding these yeah. to the list. All right, this is this is a lot of pressure to pick this last one for you, Paul. Um, pick
1: something good.
0: And I don't I don't really know what's good. I mean, there's a lot of you. You were getting onto me for saying that I think for picking dark ones for you, but there's a lot of dark stuff on this list.
1: Well, it's because I don't go out of my way to watch dark movies. Exactly, yeah. It's
0: it's kind of in general. I just –
1: instead of watching something like Saving Private Ryan, I say, you know what? Let's watch Singing in the Rain again.
0: (laughs) And your brain is, generally speaking, probably the better for it. So there you go.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, So pick Gigi.
1: No, Gigi Gigi didn't even make my list. What is Gigi? It's a musical. It won like three gazillion Academy Awards, but no one's ever heard of it. All right. So –
0: All right. I'm going to say.
1: Boy, this you're building up the suspense. I
0: really am building up the suspense because I'm torn. Like I'm I'm having a hard time here, guys. He's got stuff like MASH on here, which I mean I've seen, but Paul hasn't seen. Get out of here. He's got Million Dollar Baby on here. Um, He's got LA Confidential on here. Uh, which actually was – I haven't seen that either. So I can't really get he's – got, he's got Do the Right Thing on here. Come on now. little Spike Lee joint.
1: Yeah. Um, I've never seen a Spike Lee movie.
0: But, but, you know, recently we had a conversation about the superhero genre and how like all-encompassing it is right now. It is the genre right. of like the last decade. Right. And there was a genre in the past that had the same prevalence and we mentioned it. And it was the western. And there's a specific type of Western called the Spaghetti Western. And there's an egregious movie on here. Like if you've seen some of these – like this is really like the first movie you should probably see of this, guys. Not really. But (laughs) it's it's up there on the list. And so Paul has not seen Clint Eastwood in The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. And this movie has spawned foreign films. The Good, The Bad, and The Weird, which is a Korean action-adventure comedy, which is quite good.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now I have. I don't know in the Clint Eastwood movie whether Clint Eastwood is good or bad or ugly. I don't know any of those. I I cannot answer that question.
0: But after you see this, including the infamous standoff where it just cycles between their faces, you'll know which one's good,
1: bad, and ugly. You'll know. <laughs> you'll know. So I gotta ask you a question. Have you seen High Noon? Uh, High Noon, I have not seen actually. You need to put that on your list. We're I going to add talk that, about that.
0: We'll have to add that up on the list. Okay. High Noon. I'm
1: writing it down. I right. did
0: have a couple of westerns on there, but I guess High Noon somehow didn't get on there.
1: Yeah. Well.
0: There's a lot of movies I haven't seen. Yeah,
1: Seven Samurai is close. That's I mean, how
0: I kind of. That's how I kind of am really credible as a know-it-all is that I haven't seen a lot of things. So you can just. But just I have opinions about everything. Yeah. 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 But, so there you go. All right. Let us know. We're going to post. Like I said, we're going to for the special. Eleventh movie. We'll in the future be posting these lists with some notable additions uh, like High Noon, and you guys will get to decide what is the eleventh film for us to watch. We'll give you a list to pick from, and you decide. But now that we've decided, there's one more thing after we've picked each other's lists here. There's one more thing we have to decide, and that's what it, who's kicking this thing off. Exactly. And like I said, we're going to be picking off of each other's lists. But it has to be decided who gets to go first. Yeah. And we could haggle that out. That's one way of doing it. But we like to flip weird things. We flip rulers and staplers and books and –
1: Now we have an official flipper.
0: Now we have a new official flipper, which is the CD writable. It's not rewritable. It's just a CD writable. It's blank. Okay. It's 80 minutes, 700 megabytes. (laughs) Uh, face up or <laughs> or uh, shiny side up, whatever right, that side's side called. Up. I'm calling
1: shiny side Paul's up. Paul's
0: calling shiny side up. If it lands shiny side up, he gets to pick off of my list. If it lands non-shiny side up, I get to pick off his list for our first. Drum roll, please. <laughs> Flip that, Oh, there we go. It's shiny
1: side up. Shiny side up.
0: Paul wins.
1: Mr. Roberson
0: Yes, what is my rewatch?
1: You or it's are, not really
0: a rewatch for me. It's just yeah, a watch of the first just time. Just
1: watch, just watch. <laughs> what the retitle you retitulist. Must watch because you could you could keel over dead any time, and you really <laughs> should not miss this movie before. Singing in the rain.
0: Singing in the rain. It is so be sure to tune in on the next episode where I have to come back and talk to Paul about singing in the rain. And how much you loved it singing in the rain did no, I get deep? no 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 was that worse no, than the first it was one worse. you said I had to go lower no you go higher oh.
1: singing in the rain no
0: no, no. I that somehow I haven't seen it and I think you did it worse than I did
1: I, I did man that was embarrassing
0: <laughs> and now after that freak show of a singing concert it's time to talk about horror movies <laughs> yay <laughs> For this week's movie discussion, I'm reluctantly ceding the floor to Paul, who thought it would be she, valuable
1: to talk about a horror film.
0: Yes! And I hate horror movies so much!
1: Yeah, well... Paul, why do we have to talk about Annabelle? Why? Annabelle... Here's the thing. Yeah, and, Jake, <laughs> tell me I've got to tell, tell you. i got to tell you. That horror movies, I'm not a huge fan of a lot of horror movies, okay? I'm not a huge fan of jump scenes. I don't like a lot of gore, that's for sure. So you're
0: not a torture porn fan? No,
1: don't like Saw, don't Thank like you. any of that. Thank you but, for at least that. But the thing about horror, the horror genre, is that it gives filmmakers license to talk about some huge issues. It is the only secular genre that really allows you to talk about good and evil in very explicit ways. It talks about huge issues like life and death and what might come, you know, after death. And because of that, I think that there's a lot of interesting spiritual and even sometimes Christian content within these movies that I find fascinating, you know, because I'm kind of this spiritual geek, right? I I love to sort of delve into these movies and, and find kind of these elements of spirituality in them. And I tell you what, horror movies do a lot of that and annabelle creation is one of those so do you think i'm totally off base with this (sighs) paul i have to give you as much as i like to give you a hard time
0: over stuff like this this is one area where i have to give you a little bit of credit for the stuff you have written over the years about like interviews with directors and other pieces about certain types of horror films specifically kind of the more spiritual uh Uh, Yeah, spiritual-themed horror films versus torture porn, um, which is completely – yes, if you were defending that, I would say you're completely off-base. But but some of these pieces you've done, whether it was talking about like Exorcism of Emily Rose or uh, who was it – who was the director – Scott, has Scott Derrickson done horror Scott stuff? Scott
1: Derrickson, he did Exorcism of Annalise. He did, e- yeah, yeah.
0: So yeah. some of, and I think, uh, you know, the guy that did the games Five Nights at Freddy's is mm-hmm. a Christian guy. Uh-huh. And he's had some thoughts about horror yeah. as a genre in a way that it allows us to explore some spiritual realities And I will say that I do think horror movies have done that. Certain horror movies have done that in a way that has been elusive for Christian, many Christian filmmakers, uh, like in ways to talk about the spiritual realities around this that Christians believe in, but have a hard time talking about without sounding crazy. Right, Right. Horror films have allowed certain directors to explore that stuff and get people to watch it that might not otherwise give that that subject matter the time of day
1: yeah no and and i think that animal creation in a a strange sort of way sort of falls into that you know i had a chance to talk with the writer for that screenwriter gary doberman and really nice guy and (laughs) what is that with these like nice
0: nerds who create the most horrific stuff i know it's
1: crazy right i mean he seemed really normal he didn't sound like he was going to cut off anybody's head or anything he he was just super nice um Talked just a little bit about how how the genre has always sort of fascinated him, and, and he talked about how it allows him to explore, I got the sense, his own faith, because he, he talks about, I, I really believe that there is something greater than us. I really believe that there is something beyond death. And, and you know, it's, it's almost a little like, quote, I can't say, we didn't talk whether he was a Christian or not or what church he went to or anything like that, but obviously these were issues that, that he really thought about. And because he writes about them so often, and he, did, he actually did the screenplay for it as well, uh. um, it allows him to sort of process that a little bit. And the thing about Anibal, item Bell Creation, it's it's part of the a horror horror franchise that I really appreciate, The Conjuring. Um, and the reason why I appreciate it is because, number one, it deals very explicitly with some spiritual stuff, which we'll talk about later. But number two, it feels very old-fashioned. Um, the first two Conjuring movies were rated R, but only because they were so really scary. It didn't seem like the, there was a lot of a lot of explicit content. Right. Um, They were just super creepy movies that had a lot of elements that I really appreciated from old-time movies, like The Haunting and The Changeling from decades ago. You know, the the weird balls that sort of bounce down the hallways and the creaky doors, and it's all just very... It's all very psychological and atmospheric as opposed to being explicit and gory and stuff. Annabelle Creation takes a step into that into the gore a little bit more yet within that context there's still a lot of a lot of spiritual content that i really appreciated it it talks a little bit essentially the story is about this this doll annabelle and um how it is possessed essentially by by this evil entity um and it's very specifically a Christian evil entity. We don't know exactly the, the demon or whatnot behind it, but it's, it's clearly told within a Christian context. And, and so you have this, um, this orphanage that's essentially moved to this creepy house and has to deal with the, the entity that, that sort of surrounds Annabelle. It's very disturbing. There's some problems with it, certainly not only from just, a, just a, a content perspective, but from a theological perspective. And yet it does talk about how sometimes um, when we're faced with evil, the best thing we can do is, is pray. It talks about how um, the only thing that can really battle evil is good and, and faith, faith in each other but faith in the almighty as well and i think that that's that's a really cool message not often heard in secular movies you know
0: yeah i mean what do you think it is about this genre in particular because it's funny with my personal lens of perspective right where i really even if i can acknowledge sure benefit in atmospheric you know tension thriller horror type movies I so dislike this genre because of what it – like, I don't like to come away from a movie feeling – like, I don't like to be in a movie. I don't like to come away from a movie feeling creeped out, feeling scared, feeling nervous, anxious, anything like that. Yeah. And these movies always do that to me whenever I've had to watch them. Yeah. And so it seems to me, to a secular audience, like, hey, here's this thing that's going to make you really uncomfortable and creepy and scared and it's going to preach to you about faith and prayer and God <laughs> and good and evil. Yeah. And it's like that to me seems like a combination that would send all uh, an entire secular audience running for the hills. Right. And yet these movies do well. It's- what is it about this genre that draws in that crowd and gets them to listen to this stuff that they wouldn't listen to in a Christian movie yeah. – that would be much more pleasant to watch, in my opinion. Yeah, and <laughs> no, I don't even is... tend to like most Christian movies. No,
1: and I, and I totally hear you. And this is really—we should unpack this more thoroughly, like later October, I think, because it really is a fascinating question, and there's a lot of stuff that sort of surrounds it that I find totally fascinating. Because what you say is absolutely right. Why would you sit in a theater? to be made uncomfortable, to be made scared. I admit that there are times when I've gone to review these horror movies where I've had to sit through them that I hate every minute I'm actually in the theater. Um, and then you have the spiritual component, and we know that, that that as the country gets more secular and there's there's a lot of aversion to faith. But what I think part of the attraction is, is that I think people really understand, even if they don't, admit it or understand it there's real big understanding that there is true evil in the world and i think that there's an attraction and and even a uh, a subliminal belief in god i mean i kind of believe that that we're all wired to to worship something greater than ourselves and i think that um i think that these horror movies they give us an opportunity to sort of, to sort of step into a story where we're allowed to do that more honestly, even if it's not part of our lives. It allows us to sort of process what it means to be good, what it, what evil looks like, um, the strength that you need to have to, to fight evil. Um, I just did a, a story actually talking a little bit about Annabelle as as. Uh, <sighs> parallel to what we've seen in charlottesville where we've Mm. seen some some real evil there and how how movies like annabelle creation can give us some context and really when you think about it um, movies are the first place that we see we we first get our picture of what evil looks like right and it gives us an idea of how it can be fought and i think that that's one of the appeals to these types of movies
0: Mm. so we'll post a link to paul's writing on the thoughts of how he compares the two because i'm very curious about that i haven't read that piece from you yet can you give us as we wrap this up can you give us a little bit of a teaser of how annabelle a movie that you said is in the universe say, is it the same characters or just same universe as the conjuring
1: same universe as the conjuring movies yes. okay
0: so it's a movie about a doll that is Evil. possessed by a demon right what did you pull out of it to connect to what happened in charlottesville
1: yeah i think I think a couple of points that I I really thought about um, the lessons that I get from Annabelle is that you can't take evil lightly and you can't ignore it. Um, you have to understand that evil can be sneaky. When you whenever you see any sort of horror movie, actually, it's the evil that you see can can often shift shape and it becomes it comes in 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 areas that you don't necessarily see. And I think that sometimes we see that within our own world where um, sometimes the evil that we see is from people who we wouldn't necessarily expect it from. Hmm. I think that Annabelle teaches us that when you see evil, it's best to have it contained and not let it loose. And that was something that that struck me forcefully about, about Charlottesville. Um Annabelle when you first find the doll is in a closet surrounded by these scripture verses. She's locked in this closet and is apparently been dormant for, for a dozen years. Then of course they open the closet door and literally and I'm gonna, you know, use the word, all hell breaks loose. Yeah. Um you sort of get that feeling sometimes when you watch what has happened in Charlottesville, where where this this sleeping monster of racism and, and white supremacy has sort of been given license through circumstance, through through our, you know, the culture and and through other things. We'll just say yeah, start- has given permission to sort yeah. of rise and to sort of become stronger. And I think that that's a that's a troubling thing as well. Mm. And then we also talk about about just how when we see evil, how important it is to actually stand up, no matter our fear, no matter. Um, what risks or what we might be risking in our own lives, how important it is for us to stand up to evil.
0: I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Like I said, we will post a link to Paul's thoughts, uh, his written out thoughts, his in-depth thoughts on that topic. Which are much more coherent. (laughs) On the blog. Hopefully. Um, (laughs) And for now, we will move on to the most least important thing. Welcome inside the most least important thing. It's the way we love to wrap up every show. It's where we bring the trivial and pop culture, and that pop culture is making a big deal out of, and we try to figure out why. Or we bring something nobody's talking about, but we think is really important. Are you still following us? I hope so. <laughs> Welcome again inside the most least important thing today. Paul is kicking us off. Paul, what'd you bring?
1: All right. So, so I gotta ask you, Jake. Do you have a fidget spinner? Uh, I do not
0: have a fidget it's spinner. very
1: good, because apparently they're <laughs> terribly dangerous. What? Terribly dangerous. Uh, apparently, there have been so many accidents caused by fidget spinners uh, that... A government agency, the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission, has had to release some guidelines on how to safely use fidget spinners. What kind of accidents are
0: happening <laughs> with fidget spinners? Like, I know.
1: It's crazy, right? like pieces of
0: plastic or metal with some ball bearings in between, and well, people do them in different designs.
1: Apparently, some of them, and I don't – this seems to defeat the purpose of fidget spinners, but some of them are apparently battery-powered and so some <laughs> some of the Yeah, I know. It seems like if At you're fidgeting you need to operate it. But, right. So it's sort of a lazy fidget spinner, The lazy I guess. fidget spinner. Maybe someone can fill us in because I'm sure there's more to it. But
0: even the lazy Susan Yeah, was manually powered.
1: Yeah, no. You you've got battery powered fidget okay, spinners. Okay, all right. Well, I know and, they make
0: fidget spinners for your phone too. So crazy. you can just sit there
1: and So anyway, swipe your screen. <laughs> oh, I could use that. <laughs> I, I really need a fidget spinner actually. because oh, do you? I fidget a lot. What about a fidget cube? No. Have you seen the fidget cubes? No, we're getting off track. We're those totally, are great,
0: uh, and those are probably way, well. Tell me why these are dangerous, okay. and I can tell you if a fidget cube will solve the problem. So
1: first, the battery powered fidget spinners, the yeah. batteries overheat just like a Samsung Galaxy, oh, right? Yeah. And explode. they burst into flame, and so they've had kids taken to the emergency room. But <laughs> but <laughs> even for the non-battery powered, I'm the powereds, human torch. Even for the non-battery-powered... <laughs> that's not funny. <laughs> Even for the non-battery-powered... Ch- <laughs> child immolation
0: is not humorous?
1: <laughs> Even for the non-battery-powered fidget spinners, apparently there's a danger because some kids have been taken into the emergency room because they've put them in their mouths.
0: So, Like the whole fidget spinner in their mouths?
1: Yes. So, yeah, and then what? They said, yeah, so they had a no warning that... Do not put fidget spinners in their Here's hearts. your yeah, sign. Do not do this.
0: I can just see Bill Engvall right now rolling over in yeah. his grave. If he was dead. Bill Engvall's alive, people. He's alive. Yeah. All right? So don't. All right. So that's what I've got. So, all right.
1: So if you, you have a fidget spinner in your house, lock it up. Because lock it it's, up. It's, it's it like Annabelle. The
0: hide the kids. Hide the wife. Because they're trying to burn you. Yeah.
1: yeah. They're burning it's,
0: everybody out there. It's
1: totally like Annabelle. Lock it up in a closet
0: covered scripture. with scripture.
1: It will not hurt you then. Put it
0: inside a Bible.
1: That's right. Yeah.
0: Right in the middle. It has to be right in the middle. So you got all of scripture Psalms, wrapping it. Psalms
1: 103. Is that the middle? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it is some, I'm sure it has a lot to do with spin, fidget spinners, I'm thinking.
0: All right. So mine is slightly dated, but I'm I'm very curious about this one. and I, I've seen a few people write about the technical aspects, but – this could this is one of those things that could ultimately be a flash in the pan, no big deal, a blip on the radar for a big company or it could end up taking out an entire other company oh. or changing the way we consume content in general. Yeah. And it's that Disney has announced that they're going to stop providing new content to Netflix beginning in the next year or two and create, launch, create and launch
1: their own streaming service which is really interesting and it makes me I didn't even think about this until you just mentioned this. Marvel is a Disney owned company. Yep. What does that mean for the Netflix property? I don't know. Of the Defenders, which I'm... we're going to be talking about next podcast.
0: Yeah, next next podcast we're going to be talking about The Defenders which you're exactly right. It's a Netflix original, but it Marvel is owned by Disney and yeah. Disney's going to be take so is that is that like from what i understand of the deal that it's specifically referencing like new content it's not going to it's no longer going to offer new movies and tv shows to netflix and so that that seems like it seems to indicate that stuff that they've already got deals on like for creating will continue. So it sounds like maybe Daredevil and yeah. all, Jessica Jones and Iron Fist and Luke Cage and Defenders that kind of stuff will stay on Netflix for the time being. But yeah, what does that mean for the future of original content creation for stuff like Marvel, for stuff like Lucas Films, for stuff
1: like all of Disney's other properties? Because Disney owns a ton yeah. of stuff. It, it's going to be actually really interesting to see whether that works or not. Are you gonna Are you gonna buy into it? Disney streaming service? I you know, I need to see some more of the
0: details as they come out um, because on the one hand, there is still going to be lots of stuff not owned by Disney that Netflix is going to have its hands in. And if there's one thing Netflix has proven to us over the last couple of years, it's that it is very committed to creating its own original content. In fact, it seems like maybe they were kind of wondering if this was coming – because they, Netflix, just bought a comic book company.
1: Mm. The comic book company
0: behind things like, uh, oh, what is it? The Super Kick-Ass and... Kick-Bleep. Uh, <laughs> Kick-Bleep. <laughs> um, and, oh gosh, now I'm forgetting the name of the other one. But the guy that created, launched this comic book company, it was Kick-Bleep. <laughs> I just <laughs> mouth-spitted. <laughs> um And he also, like, helped create Logan, like, the concept for Logan back – like, because he defected from Marvel years Mm -hmm. ago. So this guy, he helped shape Captain America Civil War from a comic book perspective and Logan, like, as those things were being developed for, for, like, visual, you know, movies, TV and all that. And and, – oh, Kingsman. That's the one I couldn't think of. This is the company behind Kingsman. So the movies they've done from this comic book company that Netflix is now buying –
1: yeah. It doesn't sound like like there's going to be a lot of properties that would be good for you and your sons to watch, at least not for a while though. Yeah,
0: it's – right. It's still pointing towards that. But Netflix hasn't really created a lot of original content that's been a home run for kids. Right. Most of their success has been in the the more mature market. When you look at all that they've created as far as original content, House of Cards, Orange is the New Black, the Marvel stuff, like those are all the ones that they get press for and none of those are kid-friendly. Right. So it seems like they're trying to position themselves to continue to maintain their dominance in the long run against something like Disney, but Disney's got a lot of strong Well they own everybody's
1: childhood, right? I mean they they have Star Wars, Marvel, all of their many, many properties. I mean, it seems like especially you as a as a dad of of kids, you know, something like that. My wife's probably gonna pressure me to sign up for this. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. And like you say, Netflix doesn't necessarily have a lot of offerings for the younger set. So. Right.
0: so I'm I'm very curious to see if this ends up just kind of being another streaming service, no big deal, whatever, everybody's paying for Netflix and Disney, or if this shapes like the field of digital streaming. Like if more of these production companies are going to start offering a la carte options to try to attract people to their own streaming services where they control the terms – They control the money. They're not sharing any of it with Netflix. We'll see. We'll see if – like I think – I imagine there's other studios and companies kind of watching how this goes and deciding what they're going to do with that moving forward. Yep, I agree. So there you go. Well, that, folks, is the most least important thing for this episode. Thank you so much for joining us as we've talked about all the embarrassingly popular and cultural-defining movies that we haven't seen. And horror movies, and Paul trying to like bring church in here and tell us how horror <laughs> movies can help us be better citizens. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, I don't know if I'd go that far, but And they dangerous have some
0: fidget spinners. Dangerous fidget I didn't spinners. know this. I was protecting my kids this whole time. Yeah, yeah. You're a good dad. A great dad. Though I, I guess one kid did have one, but then they put it in the bathtub and uh-huh. it rusted. Because they didn't know that metal shouldn't you know, just sit in water for a long time or else it corrodes.
1: Yeah, so now they could get gangrene. So
0: over. now they can get gangrene. I threw it away before that could happen. So I was ahead of this train. But, uh, <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, be sure to catch up with us on our Facebook group, Fan Pop Culture with Fan People and Know-It-Alls. Or on Twitter, Paul's at? AC Paul. At AC Paul. And I'm at Jake underscore Roberson. Until next time when we talk to the Defenders and our Backlist Hall of Shame rewatch, we'll catch you on the flip side.
1: See
0: ya. I wish you would have said that on. (laughs) I like the feel of DVD's. (laughs) (laughs) Polly.
1: All right.